and Loving Father, we thank you for the family of Christ in this town, and we thank you for how you have uh, brought Emma into our midst to bless us and to teach us, and we pray for her now. Emma has received the gift and anointing of the Holy Spirit as you share your heart with us now, as you've taken time out to prepare. Lord, bless her and give us open, receptive hearts to hear your word to us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you, Martin, and uh, good morning, everyone. Thanks for having me back. It's always uh, encouraging when you get an invite for a second or third time. And although I was slightly disturbed reading in your notices that it says third and fourth Sundays, visiting speaker or meeting with God. <laughs> Hopefully this will be a combination of the two. <laughs> it's great to see you. I, I saw many of you at the uh, summer camp uh, in August last year. It's a long time ago now. So if I forget your name, please don't take it personally. I've slept since then. Um, but uh, I, was, I was greatly struck uh, last time last time I was here in Community Wise, uh, we, you were going through your Freedom in Christ series. And I wanted to pick up on an aspect of that uh, this morning as well and take it a little step further. So we're going to go on a bit of a journey this morning uh, using interactive drawing therapy. Okay, so you will notice that there is some paper, there are some wax crayons, and uh, this, this is a tool that uh, I picked up somewhere along the road uh, in counselling practice, but it's also really good for connecting the right side of our brain, uh, which is the creative part of us, uh, in a process whereby we can hear God through the creative. So suspend all cynicism, all scepticism, and uh, please don't worry about the quality of your drawing. Okay, we're not here to be Rembrandt this morning. It's very hard to produce a fine piece of art with a wax crayon. It's not about the picture itself. It's not about the artwork. It's about the thinking, the feelings that we go through, and listening, being open to God as we do what we're doing. So you can use stick figures, blobs, images, colours. It doesn't matter. It's not about artistic skill. But I want to get you engaged, so I want you to do this quickly and instinctively and just go with your gut for colours. And we're going to move fairly quickly and I'm going to do this three times during the talk. So, first of all, grab a crayon and I'd like you to draw an image of something that is somehow trapped. It can be an object, it can be an animal, it can be a person. It doesn't matter, but just draw something or something to represent something that is trapped somehow. Let's think about what's it trapped by. Give it some context. So where is this trap? What what is trapping this object, animal or person? What is it? Just draw a picture. Quick scribble. And then when you've done that, I want you to hold it at arm's length and just look at the picture for a moment or two. Just, just stare at it, have a look. 
a look at it. And I want you to take a, a colour, any colour you like, uh, and write down some descriptive words on the page that, that just kind of leap out to you as you look at that image. Okay, so some descriptive words. It could be um, frustrating, could be annoying, could be strangely secure. So write down some descriptive words, if you can, about what's going on. Okay, now the next few instructions aren't on the screen, so you'll have to listen up. I'd like to take a colour that just represents your feeling or mood as you look at the picture. Grab a colour that represents your feelings or mood as you look at the image. And this time, with your mood colour, I'd like you to write down some feeling words. Okay, not describing the scene this time, but the feeling words. How is your trapped object, animal or person feeling? If it could have feelings, that is, if it's an object. What was the one in between? Yeah. What was the one in between? Uh, take a colour that represents your feelings as you look at the image. And write down what feelings you think that trapped thing, or animal, or person, might be feeling. Supposing they could feel things. <coughs> it's very hard for a rock to have feelings, but if you've got a rock trapped in a a string somewhere. If it could have feelings, what would it be? Okay, so now I want you to take a different colour and think, write down a different colour what you think that trapped item is saying or thinking. Might be one word, might be a question might be phrase, single words are fine, what is that trap thing thinking or saying? Now going back to your drawing, so another image, what I'd like you to do is to put on the page somewhere the resources that that trapped thing or animal or person needs in order to be released from the trap. So whatever the trap is, what, what does that thing need in order to be released? So draw in the resources that it needs. imagination, supposing those resources, or the person that you've just drawn in, or the other dynamics that you've just drawn in, could say something to the trapped thing, what would they say to it? So 
we've just drawn a resource, maybe a key or something to bring release. If it could talk, what would that item say to the animal or person or thing that's trapped? Again, it could be a word, it could be a question, it could be a sentence. So the resource is doing the same to the trap. Yep. Yep. So if I'm the key to a cage, what would I be saying to the thing in the cage? If I could talk. Okay, so use your imagination. This is getting the, the right hemisphere of your brain being really creative this morning. We're made in the image of a creative God. Okay, and when you've done that, you'll be relieved to know you can put your crayons down for a minute. Okay, so what I want us to uh, think about this morning is about the freedom that God has called us into and about being released into the best that God has for us. Release from oppression and the freedom to live has always been God's plan for human beings. Think right back to the Garden of Eden. One of the first things that God said is, you are free to enjoy the garden. You are free to to uh, eat any any fruit, any vegetables, any anything that's in this garden, except for one thing. But there was great and massive freedom when God created Adam and Eve. It was it was for freedom. It was to enjoy. It was to relish. It wasn't to live in an oppressed way or a restricted way in any way at all. And you can see this theme running right through Scripture. Now I've, I've had people say to me, "Oh, you know." Well, you Christians, you believe the Bible. Somebody just wrote that one afternoon, you know, slung it all together. And I have to say, but you know, no, 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 no. This is 66 books written by over 40 different writers over thousands of years. And yet, there is an amazing consistency throughout the whole of Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, that gives us God's salvation plan. And you'll see as we look at some of the scriptures how it's always been God's plan for freedom. So think about the Exodus. Think about the book of Exodus where God said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say, set my people people free. Why? Because God didn't make people to live in slavery. God didn't make us to live in oppressive situations. So we see the start of release from slavery right back in Exodus. And then as we go through into the books of the law, Leviticus and Deuteronomy, we see a great amount about releasing people from their debts and from their responsibilities that have weighed them down. Leviticus talks about a year of jubilee where every 50th year, slaves are enabled to return home. There's freedom from the toil. There's freedom from debt. There's the people can be released to go back to their own homes and enjoy their family life. And then we move through into the prophets, the books of the prophets. You know, all those Isaiah, Jeremiah, and all the little ones, Zephaniah, Zechariah, and all those guys in the middle of the Bible. And that is all about being freed from exile and captivity. And the reason... The people of God got got into a mess and ended up in captivity and taken off into exile 
in the first place was because they had refused to worship the Lord and instead turned to idols. And that led to them being taken captive. But God's plan for people was never to be in captivity. It was to be free. So we have the prophets stepping up and saying amazing, amazing things. So just think through this whole kind of progression of scripture we have in Exodus, let my people go. Release them, set them free from slavery. In Exodus 6, God says, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God and you will know that I am the Lord who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I wonder this morning if you can identify anything in your life that is a yoke on your shoulders that God never intended you to be under. In Leviticus and Deuteronomy, we, we read that uh, it's important to proclaim liberty to the inhabitants of the land. And, and Leviticus 25 says, the children of the Israelite nations are to be released in the year of Jubilee. Release. And then I love Zechariah 9. We hear the prophet say in those great verses which hundreds of years before Jesus was born come into fulfillment when Jesus enters Jerusalem on a donkey. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Rejoice, shout, daughter Jerusalem. Your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, but lowly and riding on a donkey. And he goes on to say about the nations of Israel, as for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners. Return to your fortress as prisoners of hope, because even now I announce I will restore twice as much to you. Amazing promises through the prophets of freedom, of liberty, of being free to enjoy life as the people of God. And then there's loads of scriptures throughout the whole of Isaiah that are about release from darkness, releasing prisoners, releasing captives. And this is talking not just about the practical release out of exile and captivity in Babylon and other places where people have come and taken the Israelites captive, but now we're talking about a freedom that is of a spiritual nature, freedom from spiritual darkness, release for the oppressed. And there are many, many verses throughout Isaiah, and I'm sure you are familiar with Isaiah 61. Jesus read it, uh, we're told in Luke chapter 4, when he started his public ministry in Galilee. He read in the synagogue Isaiah 61 and said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. What's the good news? He has set, sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners or people who are blinded. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise 
instead of a spirit of despair. And as Jesus reads this scroll, reads this promise through Isaiah 700 years before, before he was around, he says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Imagine that. Imagine that you've been reading this book, you know, and, and you, you've heard for all your life that, that Isaiah the prophet said, God's promise is coming. God is going to bring release. God is going to rescue you from darkness. God is going to set the captives free. The Messiah is coming. He will do this. And then the day comes when Jesus opens that scroll and says, today is that day. I'm here. I'm here to do this. This is what God sent me for. This is my purpose and this is what's going to happen. And the amazing thing in the rest of Isaiah 61 is that the people who have been oppressed, been in ashes, been in mourning, having had a spirit of despair, are released and turned around and they're called oaks of righteousness. And what will they do? They will rebuild the ancient ruins, restore devastated places, and renew ruined cities. And Isaiah says, and these people, these people who have been released from the darkness, released from captivity, will become priests and ministers of our God. Wow. If that doesn't cheer you up this morning, I don't know what will. God says, when all this happens, everyone's going to know. The whole world will acknowledge that the people of God are blessed. Because they're taken out of darkness and put into the glorious light of the kingdom of God. So, we're going to go back to our drawing. Either take another piece of paper or flip your page over. And what we're going to do is draw the opposite image of what we started with. So we're going to look at the freedom that your trapped animal, person or object is now going to encounter. So what would it look like? What would that trapped thing, that trapped person, that trapped animal, that trapped object like to be experiencing? What does freedom look like for it? So, so go crazy with colour. What does freedom look like? What does it feel like? What do you want when you think about being released and set free? And as you do that, take a bold colour and write some descriptive words to go with what that release is like. Descriptive words. It's great. It's, it's freeing. It's exciting, it's scary, it's awesome. What, what is it like for you? What's that sense of release like? And if you haven't already included it in your picture, now I'd like you to draw your trapped person, animal, object, set free in this scene of freedom and release. So it's now untrapped. It's, it's taken out of captivity. It's taken out of 
restriction and bondage. It's taken out of darkness into light. Put your release thing into the scene. And as you do that, think, how does that released person or object feel now? So take a feeling, pull up, write down some feelings. Could be a word, a phrase, could be, you can use emoticons if you like, emojis. How's it feeling? Finally, in this section, does your released person, animal, object have any questions or concerns about this new environment? If they do, write them down. If not, that's fine. Crying out. 
What a wild scenario. But then Jesus walks in. And the unclean spirits in this man recognize the authority of Jesus as God in the flesh. And they cry out, whoa, whoa what are you going to do to us? Whoa, it's the most high God. Whoa, what do you want with us? And they beg to not be sent to the pit of hell. And Jesus brings release to this man. He commands that, that torment to cease. He commands the demons to leave him. He commands that peace reigns in his life. Spirits fly away and run into some pigs and throw themselves off a cliff. And when the pig tenders came and saw the man, when they saw Jesus, they saw that this guy who had been controlled and tormented by a legion of demons, a legion of problems, a legion of mental disturbances. They found him sat there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Here's, here's this man, Jesus, walking in and bringing such relief. And the second and the third story in, in this chapter in Mark's Gospel kind of interrupt each other. Jairus, an official, comes to Jesus and, and says, My daughter's dying. Can you come to our house? My little girl is dying. Come and put your hand on her so that she'll be healed and will live. And we're told that Jesus went with him. So they're going on the journey to the house where the, where the little girl is dying. And on the way, we have this other story interjected, where a woman who had been bleeding for years and years and struggling with, with her physical ailments and had spent all her money on doctors, we're told that she came and, and said, if I can just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, I'll be healed. And at the time, it was believed that there was some healing power in the tassels on the bottom of a rabbi's tunic. And she had faith, not in the tassels, but that Jesus who was wearing them could do something for her that no medic, no doctor had been able to do. And we're told that when she touched Jesus' cloak, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Wow. Wow. Touching Jesus, grabbing hold of Jesus, feeling his healing power pour through her body, fixing a problem that no one else could deal with. And Jesus said, who touched me? Everyone was touching him. They're all jostling him. He's on his way to this dying girl and this, this official's house and and there's people all around him. And we're told by Mark that the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told the whole truth. And Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Luke, who himself was a doctor, 
writes in his gospel, be free from infirmity. Another amazing, amazing example of how Jesus fulfilled that promise that he would bring release to those who were held captive. In this instance, sickness and suffering and pain. And then because of that story, because of being caught up with this woman, some guys come from Jairus' house and say, you know, don't, don't bother Jesus anymore because your little girl's dead. I mean, you know, they're slightly insensitive here. <laughs> Not to put too fine a point on it. Oh, don't bother him anymore. She's dead. It's too late. Can you imagine the grief and the, the fear that must have hit that man at that moment? While Jesus was still speaking, Mark says, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. When they came to the home, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. They, they had kind of professional funeral mourners and wailers who would come when somebody had died. And Jesus went in and said to the people, why all the commotion and the wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. They knew she was dead. He put them all outside and he took the child's father and mother and the disciples with him and went to where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. And they were completely astonished. Well, I'm not surprised, really. It's not your everyday experience, is it? And in this instance, Jesus did a lot of things. First of all, he released Jairus from fear and anxiety. He said, do not be afraid. Just believe. Just have faith. And he releases the girl from physical death. There's a progression through this story. The little girl is dying. The little girl is dead. The little girl is released from death and is alive again. So three times in this amazing chapter, we see how Jesus fulfilled his word. And Jesus also, we're told by John, releases people from the law and religion as a means to getting to God and being super good in order to get God's blessing. He said, no, if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. We've sung it this morning. Who the sun sets free are free indeed. And Romans tells us a heap of things about how it's the death of Jesus on the cross, him becoming the atonement for our sin that sets us free. The law of the spirit of life in Christ has set us free from the law that leads to death. It's a bit like we're all subject to the law of gravity. Correct? Nobody's floating around this morning. <laughs> Even if we are molecules and atoms <laughs> bumping around with our different poles, repelling and attracting. <laughs> you and I are all subject to the law of gravity. But when you get in an aeroplane, the law of aerodynamics yeah. overcomes the law of gravity for a time. You get enough power, enough speed, enough thrust, that, that 
tube of metal that really shouldn't go anywhere will be thrust up into the sky by the law of aerodynamics, overcoming the law of gravity. The law of life in Christ, the spirit of Christ, overcomes the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the law. But Jesus himself said, I fulfill it. I fulfill it. Where you can't fulfill the law, where you can't meet its requirements, I'll do it for you. Because you just can't do it in your own strength. And it's in that context that, that Jesus is talking to the Pharisees as, as children of Abraham. And they say, hang on a minute, you're talking about freedom, Jesus. But how dare you say that we need to be set free? We're children of Abraham. And it's in that context that Jesus says... <coughs> If you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, it's truth that sets us free. Might not like the truth sometimes. Ladies, never ask that question of my bumble at beginning. It's too dangerous. <laughs> the truth will transform you, but it might offend you first. But it doesn't, you know. <laughs> So what sets us free? What is it that gives us this freedom? As believers, as followers of Jesus, what is it that, that gives us that overcoming power? The truth sets us free. Jesus sets us, sets us free. It's simply his blood shed for us that frees us from slavery to sin. You see how it parallels right back to Genesis and Exodus and through Leviticus and through the prophets. It's his word that breaks the chains. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that breaks every yoke. Let's go back to our first picture. Go back to your first image and look at the thing that is trapped. going to read to you a couple of scriptures, firstly from Hebrews. Since the children have flesh and blood, Jesus too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. So we can be freed from fear. We can be freed from the power of death. The writer to the Hebrews also says, For this reason Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that Jesus has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. And I think one of my favourite verses in the New Testament, Colossians 1.22 says this, But now God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you and me holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. What a verse. What a powerful statement. We are free from accusation. We are free from condemnation. Think about that scenario where 
in John chapter 8, the woman caught in adultery is about to be stoned by everybody. And, and, and Jesus says, you know, if you're without sin, go ahead, cast the first stone. And all the guys kind of disappear. They've got no stones to throw anymore. And Jesus says to her, woman, who condemns you? Who condemns you? And perhaps you just need to look around you this morning, look at your trapped image and think about the freedom that comes when Jesus stands in front of you and says, who condemns you? Who can accuse you? Who's got the right to judge you? Who's bringing you down? There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. When Jesus releases us, he releases us from sin, slavery, curse, oppression, suffering, the law, strongholds, fear, the past, fear of the future, all our anxieties. And we live kind of in a tension because we've got that freedom in Christ, but we're also waiting for it to fully come, aren't we? We live in now, but not quite yet. We are redeemed, but we're going to be redeemed. We are set free, but we're going to experience a freedom like we've never known when Jesus comes. Romans chapter 8 tells us that even the world, the creation, is groaning in frustration, waiting for the freedom of the children of God. You know, the earth is jealous of you and me because we've been given freedom. We've been released to live as God intended us to. The earth is still subject to the results of the fall. But it's coming. The earth is groaning, waiting with anticipation. So now, having considered the, the kind of pattern through the whole of Scripture, just taking a few verses, thinking about freedom and release, I want you to consider what words of wisdom or encouragement or comfort you would now offer to that trapped image. Write it in. to look at your two contrasting images trapped and freed if you can look at them side by side great or flip them over but I want you to put a title at the top for each picture and I'm going to draw to a close over the next uh, four or five minutes if that's alright So what is the freedom that we've been given for? It is for freedom.
writes to the Galatian church. He says, so don't go backwards. Don't let yourself be burdened again till we go through slavery. Don't go back to trying to win God's approval in your own strength. Don't go back to trying to make it to God through religion and ritual and sacrifice. No, trust in what Jesus has done. You, my brothers and sisters, friends, living stones, you were called to be free. Paul says, don't use that freedom to indulge the flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love. And Peter says, live as free people, but let yourselves be slaves to God, because his way is amazing. And I want you to do one more thing. Please take another piece of paper, and you can work on this at home or in a small group or any other context. I'd like you to fold a piece of paper into four quarters. Fold it half and half again and then open it back up. This is something you can take with you. So this message doesn't just go over your head and it's forgotten by tomorrow. <laughs> something to take away. Jesus, when Jesus said, I've come to give you life, and life in all its fullness, or abundant life, the Greek word he uses is zoe, where we get the name zoe from, as opposed to bios, biology, we've had a biology lesson this morning, bios, or chemistry, or physics, or something. What is it they say? If it, if it, uh, if it wriggles, it's biology, if it smells, it's chemistry, and if it doesn't work, it's probably physics. <laughs> Somehow, 
or a symbol of God? How is he ministering in those different areas in your life? What's Jesus saying to you? If you go through the same process that we've been through twice now, with describing words, feeling words, what resources do I need? How is God interacting with me in these areas where I need a greater, greater sense of release? And it may be that it's not about being released from something. Maybe you're a totally free person. Your mind is perfectly sound. You're, well, I hope so. Uh, you know, you're, you've, you've achieved perfect fitness and health in your body. Your emotions are all in order. If you are like that, please let me know how you got there. But think about how God is really so, so it might not be released from something that you need, it might be being released into something or for something. Perhaps you need to be released in your prayer life. Perhaps you've always wanted to be able to just speak out in tongues and you've never got there yet. The Holy Spirit can do it in you and through you. Perhaps it's, oh, I'd love to be released with a gift of prophecy where I have the boldness to say, this is what God's saying right now. And speak a word in season. Perhaps it's the release into a ministry that you've been churning over or a, a, new, uh, a new way of working or a new career path and you just need releasing into it. I'm going to uh, pray in a moment and just pray a general prayer for all of us that we would come into release and greater freedom because it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Not to be slaves. Not to be slaves to sin. Not to be oppressed. Not to be in captivity. Not to be in darkness. Not to be like the trapped thing in the first picture. And if you're in any doubt or you haven't figured it out yet, the trapped thing is you. But the released thing is where God wants you to be worked with a metaphor, we've worked with an image, we've worked with feelings and thoughts and words and descriptions. But it's for freedom that Christ was set us free. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for my friends here. Thank you that you've called each one of us to be on a journey with you, to follow you, Thank you, Jesus, that you came to give us life in all its fullness, abundant, happy, joyous life. And life with all its ups and downs, but with you in the midst of it all. Lord, you've come to proclaim freedom to the likes of us. To bring us out of darkness into your glorious light. To bring us from death to life from chaos and torments to sound minds, from pain to freedom from suffering. And Lord, we know that in this fallen world, sometimes we have to endure those things for a season. But put the hope in us, Lord, of that complete renewal, that complete release that we will one day encounter when you come again. Lord, I pray you continue to speak to each heart and mind. 
brother, that these bits of paper won't be forgotten. But Lord, each of us will take some time to look at those areas where we need greater release, either from something or into something that you have prepared for us. Lord, where there's any darkness or captivity, release us, we pray. Let's just say together this doxology of praise from Revelation chapter 1. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and a priest. 